Supposedly going on the podcast, so I don't know if all this is going to be caught on. What is going on? I'm changing. For those of you that want to know. Yep. Okay. So, like I said, I love to travel, and uh, about four years ago, my husband Terry had asked me, well, if you could take any trip, you know, or anywhere, where would you want to go? And so, you know, without skipping a beat, I just said, African safari. That's what I want to do. And so, that dream did come true. Um, on our 20th wedding anniversary in 2004, we accepted an invitation by Jana and uh, Jerry, uh, uh, oh gosh, now I forgot their last name, Jerry and Janet, that, that uh, we, we actually support them as our missionaries in Botswana. And that's about, that's like the northern part of Africa. It's right above South Africa, the, the, the tip, the southern tip. Did I say northern, southern? And um, we went, and it was just really incredible. We went to go visit their, their mission. Uh, they were just doing some amazing things there uh, with the people. And then they were just so kind to set up a wonderful African safari for us in Botswana and Zambia. And so we just saw some, I mean, just unbelievable things. I mean, the scenery was breathtaking. Um, the people were warm and friendly. They had a great sense of humor. We saw animals. I mean, every, any kind of animal you could think of in Africa, we saw animals. Yes, we did see a pride of lions devouring a water buffalo. Now, that was, that was intense. We saw all kinds of stuff. So it was fun. It was really fun. So from Botswana, we went to the country of Zambia, and we stayed at a camp called Songway. And we wanted to kind of get to know, you know, what, what, what's there to do here in, in Zambia? So we asked our host at the village, and they said, well, you know, some people, they like going bungee jumping, and uh, other people, they like to go whitewater rafting. But we think, why don't you go try whitewater rafting? So I go, hey, I've never been whitewater rafting. Okay, that sounds like fun. Okay, uh, let's go do that. So they drove us down to, you know, where the, the, the tour company is. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of other people there, and everybody was being briefed. So we all got our, you know, our life jackets on and helmets, and they were telling us, really important, keep these on. You never take them off. See, see your oars. Make sure you always have them. If they float away, you make sure you go get them. Don't lose the oars. Make sure you listen to your guides, you know, your raft guides, because it's, Whatever they say, you have to do immediately. So if they go left, you go to your left. If they say right, you go to your right. If they say forward, you go forward, okay? So we're like, yeah, okay. They say, okay, we're going to do some drills, you know, some test drills so that you can kind of know what to expect. And so we're all laughing, and we're doing all the drills, and the, you know, the raft guide is yelling things out. So it's time to go. And I thought the river was just like right over there. But as we started walking, I realized that we were going down. We had to hike down into the gorge. So as we're hiking down, I'm, I'm starting to get kind of suspicious. I'm going, oh my goodness, we're, wait a minute, I'm in Africa. This is not like America where like tour companies are concerned that they might get sued, you know, if somebody gets <laughs> injured or killed. I mean, they might be kind of like, oh, you drowned? Sorry. You know, so I was like, oh gosh. And then I started remembering 
all right, I remember reading that there are different like levels, like different classes of whitewater rafting. Like one is the easiest and then the five is the most difficult, right? So I, I, I kind of turned to this young guy next to me and I said, do you know, do you know what like class water this is? And he's like, yeah, five. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm like, I, I never, you know, I've never done this before. They didn't tell us. How come they didn't tell us that, you know, this is class five and this is a warning. This might be hazardous. You might want to get off now. You might not want to do this. And, and he, he's just kind of looking at me, right? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I, what am I going to do? And he's like, I don't know. It's too late now. <laughs> so I'm like, so I'm going down and I'm telling Terry, you know, it's class five. It's class five. She's like, class five. So <laughs> we go down and I am not joking. We go to the launch, and it's called the boiling pot, okay? <laughs> and it, that's what it looked like. It was like a rolling, boiling pot. It was so loud that I couldn't, the, the, the guide had to yell at, you know, to us to kind of give us instructions. So he's saying, you know, it's really important right now. You better listen to me. You know, just like we said up there, when I say right, everybody move to your right side of the raft. When I say left, everybody move to left. When I say forward, you better move forward very quick. So, uh, I mean, my heart is pounding, right? And I'm just, I mean, I was starting to get sick to my stomach. Uh, literally, I was starting to get sick to my stomach. Like, I felt like I was going out to war, you know? And, I mean, I, my adrenaline, I was started shaking. And so we get in, and we, he, oh, and then he tells us, so he goes, now, see these rapids? We have to make it across, okay? We've got to get across. I mean, honestly, it looked impossible. But he said, you've got to get across, because if we don't, that current is going to take us straight into that granite wall. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> and it, remember I told you, we hiked down to a gorge. It's a sheer granite wall. And he goes, and when you do, that raft is going to flip over, okay? And if it does, make sure you don't get caught underneath. So, and if you do, you got to pull yourself out. Make sure you tuck your legs under because you don't want your feet getting caught in the rocks. So, I'm just like going, oh, my gosh. So, we get in. And I'm telling you, I never rode so hard in my life. I mean, I'm just like passing like a mad woman, right? I am just going, oh, we got to get across. we got to get across. I, there's just, when you feel the power of that river, there was just no way. There was no way. We just got taken across and I went we went crashing into that that granite wall that raft flipped over guess who gets stuck underneath <laughs> of course it's me and and you know what you would think that there would be air underneath like this like water pocket right and then all the commotion on outside that I'd be inside going oh. <laughs> it is not like that it is like a washing machine. You cannot breathe. You can't breathe. There's no air. It's just, just you know, tumultuous. So I'm reaching, and obviously no one's there to save me. Well, I mean, it was the reality of, like, I can drown, and no one's even going to know, you know, because everybody's off on their own. So I, I'm trying to reach for the rope on the side of the, you know, of the raft, and I mean, with all my might, I just pull myself over. It was probably, I'm serious, a miracle of God. So I pull myself underneath, and the moment I did, I just, you just feel the current just like take me right against the granite wall. So you can imagine that kind of pressure, you know, coming at you. So I am sitting there, 
I could feel the, the current just pressing me, and I'm just like being scraped along the side of the granite wall. Literally, it's pushing me along the side, and then it just flushes me out into the open river. And I mean, I'm out there, I'm choking, I'm gasping. I could hear a woman screaming on the top of her lungs out there on another raft. So I'm just going, <laughs> I'm just going, oh my God. And I, and I was shaking, I was shaking. So, and I know that as I'm talking, some of you might think, that I'm just kind of like, you know, kind of exaggerating a little because for the effect of it. So I thought for those, now most, some of you are going, no, no, I believe you, but others are going, yeah, yeah, she probably is. So I actually am going to show you a clip of what whitewater rafting on the Zambezi is like. It's not like that, but it will be. <laughs> Let's do it. like that. In fact, Gretchen, when she saw that, thank you, Gretchen, for rolling that, but when she saw that, she goes, we let you guys go on that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we didn't know either. But anyways, when our guide retrieved um, our raft and, and kind of like gathered all of us back in, you know, I, I, we were all just like shell-shocked. <laughs> so we got in, and I mean, I just, I just started thinking like, oh my goodness, what did, my, did, what did I get myself into, right? And then I kind of turned to the raft, the, the, the guide, and I said, you know, how many more of these rapids do we have to do? He's like, any, the African left, ha ha, 24. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I go. And I just, I just turned to Terry. I, I mean, I had tears in my eyes, really. I mean, my lip was quivering. <laughs> I, I, and I just said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could do this, right? And I thought, you know, um, that experience on the Zambezi is a lot like sometimes what life is like. You know, we are going along our way and all of a sudden, boom, we get hit with something that we didn't expect. We get hit with something that just kicks the wind right out of us. It just, you know, it challenges us to the core. You know, when crisis is hit, you know, like, like divorce or illness or death, betrayal, breakup, or like a financial crisis, and we just go, I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this. Or maybe there's some things that happen that I call crossroads, you know, crossroads where you just feel like the pressure of the current is just like pressing you against the wall and you can't breathe. You know, and I think of ongoing feelings of like depression or disappointment, discontentment, weariness, loneliness, you know, just the same old circumstances. And we just don't know if we have, you know, the strength to move forward. And so when we find ourselves in that place, you know, it just totally opens up a Pandora's box of a thousand questions that begin to just spin around in our head. Like, you know, what, what's going on here? Why is this happening? 
What's going on in me? What's wrong with me? You know, God, where are you? All these questions that just start entering into our mind. But one thing is for certain, you know, whether it's a crossroads or a crisis, it's going to stop us in our tracks. You know, and, and it's, it, things are going to come screech, screeching to a halt. And, and in some ways, you know, retrospect, it's, it's a good thing because I think it's good for us to be able to stop sometimes and say, what is going, what's happening here? You know, but when it's happening, it sure doesn't feel very good at all. And whether we like it or not, it usually means that change is around the corner. Some kind of change is going to be around the corner. And I'll tell you, change is difficult. Change is not easy. It, it is unfamiliar. It's unknown. And you know, sometimes it could be kind of painful. But if, if change is inevitable, because you know, nothing does stay the same. Change is going to happen. And a lot of times these whitewater moments in our lives, it's a catalyst to change. But when, if it's change is going to happen and that's inevitable, then change is going to require courage, right? And courage is going to require something in us, something deep within us. So when I, I, I kind of think of courage as a noun, you know, um, with verb tendencies. So it is, a, when you look in the dictionary, it is a noun, but I just go, but it's something more, you know, because it requires some response. It requires something in us. And this is how I kind of define it. You know, courage is to fully acknowledge our limitations and fears, but choose to move forward anyway for the betterment of something that goes beyond ourselves. You know, and I had given you, um, I don't know if you came in, there was a sheet of like quotes and stuff. You can look at that because I thought, man, there was just so many quotes out there, uh, you know, out there that um, I just thought were, were just a, great description of what courage is. So if you get a chance, you can pick one up on, on the way out. So, you know, there are decisions to make. Change requires courage, and courage requires something in us, and that means we have to make some decisions. So let's go back to the river, okay? So after the guide told me and us that we had 24 more rapids to go, I think he kind of looked at all of our faces and just saw this like terror, some of us, because there were three college guys in the, <laughs> in the raft. But, you know, he said, okay, listen, there's a fork up ahead. There's a fork in the river. And when that time comes, you know, if you feel like you just can't do this, you can get out and go back, okay? So when we got to that fork in the river, there was one other woman that was in our raft, and she was just like, I am out of here. I'm out of here. I quit. I can't do this. I'm gone. And then we got the three college guys. You know, we're in. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to us. We want more. And then Terry kind of looks at me, and I'm just kind of like, I, I just said, Lord, you know, just give me courage. Give me courage to finish this. You know, so I'm just like, I'm in. <laughs> the most uncourageous answer, but, you know, I just said, I've got to do this. So I know that there's that, that you know, bravado type of courage, and I said, yeah, I'm in for whitewater rafting. But the kind of courage that I really want to talk about is more courage of, in our character. You know, the courage to go the long haul, courage not to give up, courage that has fortitude in it that's, that's in us. 
Um, and the courage to take steps forward when it's really tough. So it is easier to quit. It is. It's easier to quit than to face our fears and our hurts. It's a lot easier to, to give up than to really try to discover, you know, what we were made for. And it's sure a lot easier to do it our way instead of taking the time to say and ask God, God, you know, how do you want me to navigate my life? You know, so it, it takes courage. It takes courage. So let's remember this, because how we navigate the white water rapids in our life now is really going to determine how we navigate the rapids that are ahead. And they will come. Nobody's exempt from the white wa water rapids in their life. So it, you know, um, it takes courage to remain, to remain faithful, to keep on doing what is right. And I can remember about, oh gosh, this was about 12 or 13 years ago when my kids were one, three, five, and seven years old. They were really young. And you know, I was getting very antsy with all the laundry and the dishes and the cleaning and the crying and the wiping. You know, I just said, I want to change. I want to do something different. I want to do something fulfilling for me. And so I wanted to go back into the workforce, okay? And I know that there are a lot of moms here with young children that have to work because just financially, to make ends meet, you've got to work. But I was, that wasn't my situation, you know? I just, I wanted to. And so I told my friend Lois my plan, that I, you know, I was gonna go back out and this is why. And you know, she just kind of looked at me and she goes, you know what, Cheryl? She goes, I know you. She goes, you are going to keep adding hours and hours because you're going to pour yourself into it. And then before you know it, your kids are going to have the leftovers of who you are. You know, that's just, I, I know that's what's going to happen. So, you know, you've got one shot at this. You need to be able to really have your priority right now in raising your children because they really need you right now. You get one shot. And so, I, you know what, when she told me, I was, I was mad. <laughs> I was mad because, you know, what? she was working outside of the home. <laughs> but I realized, you know what, she, I was trying to justify myself. Because really, the issue wasn't work. The issue was something in me. There was something in here that I needed to kind of decipher. You know, there was something going on that needed my attention. And I knew in my heart that she was right because it wasn't about work. But, and I wasn't just seeing, you know, I wasn't really seeing the macro picture, I w the big picture. I was kind of seeing the micro picture, the hard work. I was seeing me at that time. And my heart and my attitude and my pers the perspective, what I thought was important and the stuff in me, that needed to change. And God needed to deal with me on that. So, you know, it's hard just to have the courage to stay the course, to be faithful. And I realized, you know, to everything, there is a time and there's a season. So I did what Lois said, and I, you know, I took her advice, and I stayed the course. And um, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad that I had somebody that could be honest with me, that could speak into my life that way, because I have no regrets on taking her advice. It has been worth all the effort. And, you know, things change. Like I said, things change. And now my kids have grown older. And, um, you know, I've just so much uh, uh, appreciated the, you know, how they have, have grown up. The two older ones I would consider now they're young adults. 
and I mean, just enjoying the fruits of watching who they are and you know, what God is doing in and through their lives. So you know what? That was the macro picture. I had to be faithful in the micro to be able to appreciate what God had planned for the macro because I see now the effects of being faithful to what God had called me to do in the lives of my children. But we could, I'll tell you, we, we can put that to, you know, being faithful in other areas of our life. You know, whether it's our, our marriages, our relationships, our work, our ministry. You know, there are things that God is saying, this is your season to be faithful. Find me in it. Find me in it. Um, it says in Galatians 6, 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So, you know, it takes courage to, to be faithful and to persevere. But I do believe that, you know, when we learn these things, um, that it will it'll make its way like a, a river. It makes its way into other areas of our life. It's not just one area. Those qualities, those virtues, make their way into other areas of our life. But what about seasons when all hope is lost? You know, and we need the courage to hope again. About four years ago, I had lost my uh, best friend, Carrie, you know, to cancer. And uh, we had met in sixth grade. And uh, for 30 years, she had been my best friend and, and confidant. I mean, we grew up together. We got married about the same time. We raised our children together. We served in women's ministry together. I mean, we, we were a team. Um, you know, I just, I, I could look at her and just know what she's thinking, you know, and vice versa. We were just, uh, in fact, when we were kids, they, they used to, our friends used to call us the twins. So we were very, very close. So when cancer hit, it just seemed like everything just came screeching to a halt. I mean, now there was no more future planning. That's kind of an unusual thing to be with somebody that is terminally ill because, you know, usually she and I would be planning for the future, what we're going to do in ministry, what we're going to do with the kids, and, and all of a sudden that just, it just stopped. It was just here and now and cancer. And as I watched, the, as I watched her, um, you know, slowly uh, di digress in her health, it was really difficult to let go. You know, it was difficult to let go of just who she was to me. And it was just, it was difficult to let go of what I thought, what I imagined, you know, how our friendship was going to play out. Now, I imagined that we would grow old together and we would be planning some crazy adventure and you, we'd be mentoring women together and we'd be watching our grandkids, you know, playing on the lawn as we're rocking in our rocking chairs, you know, sipping iced tea or something like that. But there was just this image of this is the way it was going to be, you know? And the reality, when, some, when we realize that something is not going to be, you know, it, it's hard to let go. When we realize that the, the dream that we had um, is not going to happen, it's hard to let go. But it requires us to be able to let go so that God can begin to put something new into our hands. It was not easy. I think I lost a lot of, um, you know, 
passion during that time. It was really, really difficult uh, just to be able to just function just with normal things, you know, and yet the world keeps going, right? <laughs> you still have to do what you need to do. And I just asked, um, you know, the Lord to keep my heart tender. Remember, God, just keep my heart tender to, to you and to help me to grow more deeply um, just in, in my character and who you've created me to be and to just rediscover the things that are truly important. And I'll tell you, you learn a lot when you walk with somebody who is dying. And I learned a lot when I was with Carrie. First of all, life is a gift. Boy, was that just ever so evident. I just said, every day, every breath I take is a gift. Thank you, God. Help me to be grateful for that. And then secondly, I learned that, you know, there are really there are two things that are really important. There are only two things that are important in this life, God and people. I mean, we hear that, but when we're walking with somebody in that, you go, it's true. That's the only thing that is really important, God and people. But what inspired me most about Carrie was how she lived her life before she got sick, how she lived her dash, you know, that, that space between birth and death we call life. And how she lived her life, she lived with great courage. She lived with great passion for God. And she constantly gave out of her life to others so that others could be strengthened. And that's what we call leaving a legacy. So, you know, that uh, I saw how important it was that, yes, how we finish is very important, that we leave a legacy for others to follow. You know, I just read a book called, um, <laughs> and it surprised me, uh, because I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. It's called One Month to, to Live. And um, it's called One Month to Live, 30 Days to a No Regrets Life. And I think that was the part, like, 30 days to, you know, it just sounded like some hype or something. But I decided I'm going to read it anyways because I had heard, a, um, actually, the author speak on a leadership CD. So I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to check it out. So I read it, and I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it. And I would really highly recommend it. We, in fact, we have it in our bookstore. You know, if anybody is really interested in um, growing more deeply and just to be able to discover, you know, their, their passions and, and um, be, just be more intentional with their life, something I would, I would recommend. If you're part of a small group, in fact, that might be a, a book that you'd like to do um, together. I know that for myself, I've been a part of a small group for about uh, over a decade, and it's been a lifeline. So if you're not a part of a, a community, a small group, you know, come talk to me. Um, if you want to start one, come talk to me, okay? Because uh, I think there's something about being able to live life together and, and, you know, encouraging one another. We find courage in encouragement. Um, Ecclesiastes. 4, 9, 10 says two are better than one because they have good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and no, has no one to help him up. So I still miss my, my best friend, and I won't ever understand why this had to happen. Um, and it definitely has been a whitewater season for me. But you know what? God has sparked courage in me to take new steps forward. It's a new journey. I'm 45 years old. I'm midway, midlife. And uh, you know what? When you hit midlife, um, 
there is something about being reflective. You really start to take a, a catalog of your life, you know. Um, and I want to really be open to what he wants to do in the second half of my life. So what have I learned in the past four years uh, since I've been kind of in that whitewater season? I learned that I'm a kind of a doer person, you know, and I've learned how to stop and ponder more. I've learned that God is trustworthy and faithful, and he is there and very real. And um, he, he does not forget. And I've, I've also opened up my life to new friends and to other friends. And I'll tell you, they've been a strength to me and a, and a blessing. Um, I've also never thought of myself as being a missionary type of person. But uh, I just felt like there was a side of God. There was a part of God that I never yet discovered. And I, and I wanted to, to discover that part of God. So I mustered up the courage to go on a mission trip. And in fact, I went on two missions trips. I went to Mexico and to the New Orleans trip. And I'll tell you, it was a powerful experience for me. I mean, just met incredible people. I saw God move um, and pour out his love in very humble ways. Um, it was, in fact, you know, I, I kind of went thinking that, you know, I was going to help people, which I, I was able to. But really, the experience helped me, you know, and um, I'm really grateful for what God showed me about his heart, that he does not forget those that we think are forgotten. He does not forget. So um, it reminded me of the scripture uh, found in Job 42.10, and God restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. I think when we begin to reach out to others and start to get ourselves out of kind of the self-mode, you know, God begins to restore what we have lost. He begins to restore something in us. Well, one person that really inspires me, because we are inspired by people's stories and, um, and lives, and one person that does inspire me um, by her passion and her tenacity is my 18-year-old daughter, Chloe. Um, she just has a heart for children, uh, that are in, in, in countries that have no hope. Um, she has an intense and deep love for God, and she just amazes me how she steps out of her comfort zone constantly, and she just allows God to work through her life. So um, she has been, in fact, what, Chloe, why don't you come up here, because she's going to share with you in a little bit. But five years ago, when she was about 13 years old, um, she sponsored a Compassion International child on, on her own. Um, she had chosen this child, his name was, was Wubishet, Wubishet, and he um, was actually an older child and he was crippled and usually those children are either never sponsored or sponsored last, but she wanted him. So um, she every month paid it out of her own money. And Sometimes she you help me a yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I did. And then I took it out of her, her Christmas money. No. Because um, <laughs> I thought it was important for her, you know, to really, if she wanted to do this, then she needed to, to fully take on that responsibility. So she did. And she wrote him, him letters. And uh, last March, Compassion had opened up a trip for the, the sponsors. If they wanted to go to Ethiopia and visit their sponsor child, um, they invited them to, to come. 
So she really wanted to go. Now, I was open. I was open. Remember, we were sending wow, her all the way to Africa. Open. Okay, that's Ethiopian. But yeah, Terry was not <laughs> very open. <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, but you know what? He said, if you raise your own money, $4,000, okay, you can go. And then, oh, $5,000. <laughs> and you know what? And she did. She, she raised that money. But um, I want her to be able to uh, share with you, with you um, her heart and how she has stepped out in courage uh, to help uh, others. So mm -hmm. go ahead. Give a shout out. Um, <laughs> okay, so actually we do have some pictures to show, and the first one is actually of Wolfshed. So that is Wolfshed, and he's actually um, older than myself. Uh, he's been bedridden for two years. Uh, it, I'm not trying to get a sob story, but he, ha he has no parents, um, and he's not an orphan. He does have a grandmother, and you'll see a picture of her. And um, yeah, there we are. Um, and that necklace, people are like, what is that around his neck? My grandma actually was able to go on that trip as well. And she's from Hawaii, so those are macadamia nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that is. And the next one, and this is where we can kind of stop, this is his grandmother. And I really wanted to stress on this story just because um, my mom said the line, those who are forgotten. And um, you know, God remembers those who are forgotten. And uh, she really stressed that message to me. Um, when I came into the house, it's probably as big as some of your guys' bathrooms. Um, I know that my bathroom's actually bigger than his, his, um, his house. Basically, there's just two mattresses. My money, actually, for Christmas, he bought his mattress. Um, and I do have a, a thousand stories, but I, I probably go in five minutes is what I was going to go for. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that I really wanted to say is, I didn't want to cry because this was a, a very joyful time for me. I was able to see him, um, but she was crying um, hysterically. And I remember her just saying, you know, that she was thinking I'm hard, and I had a translator. And uh, she was saying, she, she said she thought she was forgotten. She thought she was meaningless, pointless. But then you guys came, and you guys are from America, and you remembered her, and you, you loved her. And you showed Jesus to her. And then, and then I just started crying. Because that was intense for me. Um, you know, just to see right then and there that you can be the hands of God. And, and this is a developing country. But I also went to New Orleans with my mom as well. And I realized that there's people in your family. I think start with your family first. But there's people that really need to be loved. You are the hands of God. And you can show them directly that you can love these people unconditionally. And, um, yeah, that's one of the pictures. That's just how joyful. It was so, so neat to see God's hand work. And, um, and through compassion. I know that sometimes people can um, kind of wonder, like, well, does my money go there, actually? Does my letters actually go to him? Do 
do the people who translate these letters actually say what it says? <laughs> yeah, I know. Believe me, I've asked those questions a billion times. And I was like, well, are you sure? Like when I was there and I, I saw the churches working with one another, I was like, well, how do you how do you get these churches there? How do you know they're not? You know, how do you know they're giving the money to them? Are you sure? And you know, like I was I was definitely asking. So I could tell you guys that yes, this is a legitimate um, organization and it's something that I have grown like I've just been passionate about. And my name tag says child advocate, which sounds kind of cool, but basically it just means you're a volunteer. And <laughs> that's what I am. I'm just a volunteer. And I have, I, I can answer most of your guys' questions. And the ones I can't, I will find those for you. Um, and I do have a table over there. And you guys can just come by. We've been here a couple of times. And um, I, I know that some of you guys actually even supported myself as well. So I know that some of you are familiar with it. Um, I recommend you guys just checking it out. Don't be afraid. Have courage. You know, it's kind of scary going up to the table and people are like, oh, no, I just said it. I don't know. <laughs> and that's totally fine, too. Pray about it. This is a long-term thing. So, I mean, that's what we're aiming for. It's long-term. It's not just for a month. It's, this is a, it's kind of like your child, and they see you as their parents, or at least as a family. And um, they keep your letters. He has a treasure box of my letters. And um, I have... I don't know. All You're right. doing such a good job. Maybe you can just close this out. <laughs> All right, here you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. So you can tell she's very passionate about, about that, and um, she, in fact, has the, all the children. She's brought her kids with her, so please be able to st stop by and at least uh, you know ask some questions and, and see if this is something that the Lord would like you to step out and and participate in. But you know, Chloe, there's just one way of how God can use us when we just, you know, step out. And I believe that God wants to do something in every single one of our lives here. There's not, there isn't anybody here that God is saying, oh, but not you. Oh, oh yeah, her. Oh, oh, but not you. He, no. Every single one of us. God has a plan, a purpose, an intention for our lives, to go beyond ourselves. It's not just about, gee, you know, if I could just get, get on a yacht someday, you know, and just kind of live the rest of my days out and, and, and you know, vacation, then I'd be happy. No, then, then that would be really sad. That, that would mean that you missed out on what God has for your life, okay? So, you know, um, I just want to read one more scripture to you, too. Isaiah 49, 13 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. It will spring forth, and I, I will make a road in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God knows where you are right now, and he wants to do a new thing. Let him trust him. Hold on to his hand and let him take you all the way, okay? So, um, I, I want to show you one thing as we conclude. See this? I should have this framed. It says, this is to certify that Terry and Cheryl Brisbane successfully rafted the most exciting and challenging rapids found anywhere on the planet, the mighty Zambezi River. I completed it. I finished it. And you hear that applause out there? That's what you want to hear when God greets you in heaven 
and you've finished your course, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, complete well. I, I can just sense here that there's a stirring in many of us. They say, God, I want to be open to what you have for me. I want to know you more deeply. I want to tap into that passion. I want to step out and be challenged. You know, I want to be able to be able to touch somebody else's life. Help me to break out of the me. Help me to go beyond me. So I'm going to ask you to do something. But we're all going to do it together, so no one's going to stand out. But I want you to all stand up, okay? Now that took courage just to do that. Thank you, all right? Now, and then I want you to link arms with the women next to you, and you could bridge these aisles here, okay? Link arms. Because you know what? We, we need each other. We need to feel encouraged. We need to feel strength. We need to be able to know that together we stand before God. He wants to do something mighty in us and through us. He wants to do that not only in us individually, but I believe collectively as women. I think we are probably one of the most untapped resources that God has. Okay? God wants to tap into us right now as women to be able to make a difference, to be able to stand for God. No more dilly-dallying. No more just kind of like skipping by. Let's get, start getting serious and say, God, grow me deeply. Even if it hurts, Lord, grow me deeply because I want to be able to leave a legacy that honors you and that another generation can say, I got strength from that. Okay, so Lord Jesus, we come before you together. We link arms, Lord, knowing that we do need each other. We need to encourage one another. But God, I pray, Lord, that we would be open to the new thing that you have for us, Jesus. Give us courage to conquer our fears, Lord, and to go past our hurts and our worries and to trust you, to trust that you have something that goes beyond just me, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would equip us, that you would begin to show us um, the, the unique things that you've placed in our lives, the unique gifts that we have, the uniqueness of what we have to be able to, to place in your hands and watch you do amazing things with it. And Lord God, some of us might say, well, I have nothing. Well, that's not true because we all have something. Even Moses said, I have nothing. And, and God said, well, what's that in your hand? A staff? Well, guess what? God used that staff. He split the, the, the Red Sea. He made water come out of a rock. You know, he turned it into a snake. I mean, God can do with what is in our hand. We have something. So I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us courage today to step out for you, Lord, and to just um, be open to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Um, We're not, we're not quite done yet. In fact, why don't you give someone a hug? Because you just linked arms with somebody who was giving you strength. You know. Okay. So we're not done. We have, we had one more thing. Oh, in fact. Oh. Um, we have a song that we'd like to, to, to conclude with. Um, 
And it's called If I'm Brave. Um, and there's going to be a little twist to this song, though, because it's also going to be danced to. And it's amazing ways. I, I love it because God, like I said, uses our different gifts and talents and different ways to express our love to him. So we're going to see it's going to be shown in, in music in a song and also in dance. And, um, you know, the song is really, you know, it's we're, we're on uncertain paths that, um, you know, that we can trust that God is there. He is always there. He does not forget. And he can help us to be brave. Um, so at this time, though, we're, we're also going to be taking up at the same time an offering to help with the expenses of Coffee Talk. Again, we just invite you to. You don't have to, but if you feel led to give, we just invite you to be able to do that. So if the ushers would come forward, and we're going to have the band and, and Ashley conclude us. Thanks, Jeff.